Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And today we'll be discussing Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992 and From Dust Till Dawn from 1996. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. And I'm Jonathan. I believe we're starting with From Dust Till Dawn today, eh, Jonathan? Yeah, no, it'd be a good place to start. I feel like it's the less serious of the two. Not quite Bruh. so melodramatic. <laughs> it's like two movies in one movie. It really is because it starts off like completely different and then just goes off the rails as soon as they end up at the bar. It starts as a really serious uh, bank heist movie, right? And it's like tensions are super high, and like the it's pretty like I don't know it's schizophrenic at some points, but then once you get to the bar and after you have the strip uh, the strip tease. That's when shit hits the rails and you go full <laughs> Sam Raimi style, like over the top Robert Rodriguez action horror. Right, exactly. Um, what? Where should we start with this for the production notes for it? Uh, bruh, this fucking movie's budget was forty million dollars. I didn't know that. <laughs> Jesus, at the box office, it made two hundred fifteen point eight million. Oh God. So it made a lot of money back. Um, oh, wait. I'm lying to you. It was I 14 lied. Million. 14 Excuse me. Budget was $19 million. Oh, $19 million. Yes. $59.3 million at box office. Sorry. It made $60 million. Shit. Uh, for, excuse me. $40 million. It made $40 million. <laughs> wait, wait, what were you I reading before? I cannot math at all. Quar- uh, the quarantine yeah. has corroded my brain. Damn this up. quarantine. So uh, I was looking at the Bram Stoker's numbers. That I believe because it's Coppola, and <laughs> which 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 we'll discuss later because that's also crazy, and I'll repeat it again for comedic effect. Uh, so it should be noted that this is directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yep. Uh, it is him. It it is also written by Robert Kurtzman, who uh, later would help. Who also helped Quentin Tarantino on Reservoir Dogs. Wait, uh, wait. From Dust Till Dawn was written by Quentin Tarantino. Yes, it was. No, 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 no. no, no. Hold on. It was written by Robert Kurtzman, but it was the screenplay was adapted later by Quentin Tarantino. Hmm. Yep. And the thing uh, is, yep, it was that, that is this is correct. He is correct there. The story was by someone else, but he wrote the screenplay ah, for it. I see. And this was actually Tarantino's yeah. first paid screenplay. He got paid fifteen hundred dollars to write this. Oh, what? Yeah. So, and this is also the first time that uh, Quinn Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez actually worked together on a production. Nice. Um, they met at a film festival and they shared their love of Jackie Chan movies and fucking exploitation films. And they quickly became best friends as we know how they are. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is just their bromance before they did Grindhouse and those other two movies, too. <laughs> yeah. It so really, really is. just, they, they just love it. Also, they Tarantino likes playing creepy characters sometimes. Dude. Oh, my fucking God. Like, <laughs> Also, what a clear <laughs> picture of his foot fetish put on display. Tarantino's character in this movie is the creepiest weirdo ever. He's like, he's like the shit. rapiest rapist yeah. ever. He engages in his full his foot fetish like full monty. Dude, he was like, there "What? Is, he Salma does not Hayek? stop. Just shove he your chomps. foot in my mouth." <laughs> he chomps upon the piggies. Okay, okay. Here's the thing, though. 
since Quinn Tarantino wrote this screenplay, I'm 100% sure he just wanted Salma Hayek's fucking feet in his mouth. Oh, totally. Yeah. That was written for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we got to go over the cast real quick. This right. is the this is the movie that solidified George Clooney as like a serious actor. Oh, what? Really? Uh, because I, because before that, he was really wor- he was mostly working on ER. Oh, that's uh, right. So this was one of those movies that like showed Hollywood, hey, George Clooney's gonna be some hot shit. You guys better better listen. <laughs> uh, Quinn Tarantino obviously is Richard Gecko. These are the Gecko brothers. These are the ones who did a heist. And honestly, I gotta talk about their numbers real quick because these are not amateur numbers. Uh, killing five Rangers, eight police officers, two civilians, and taking one hostage. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was like, um, what else was that? Yeah. What else was George Clooney in? Wasn't he in? Uh, he was in a couple movies prior. He was in like sure. the Coen Brothers movie, the one where it's like a, it's like a parody of an old Greek story. It was that Oh Brother Where Art Thou is is the film. It was this really yeah, fucking that's, random. Yeah, that's another Coen Brothers movie. He was in that one, and then he was also in that that boat movie, The Perfect Storm, where they were trying to survive out in the middle of the ocean. Right, but that was later. That was after. But here's the here's the thing though. This was his first like major yeah. role, like being like the he, center stage. He'd only been in Combat Academy, Return to Horror High, Grizzly Two, The Predator, <laughs> Return the of the Killer Tomatoes, Red Surf, Unbecoming Age, and The Harvest. And okay. then from Dust Till Dawn happened. Miss him and after that was Batman and Robin, One Fine Day, The Peacemaker, The Thin Red Line, yeah. Out of Sight, Waiting for Woody. Holy That's shit. what I'm saying. This Whole this was. This is the movie that opened the door right. for George Clooney, pretty much. Um, yeah. And, I, and if I got to be honest, he really fucking hams it up, and not hams it up, but like he he is a really great actor. It shows his dynamic range. Uh, he executes the the com- comedic lines really well, and he's a force to be reckoned with on screen. I mean, the first half of last hour, first hour of this movie is a Tarantino movie. Yes, oh yeah, yes. totally. Like the dialogue and how it's shot, like the 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 scenes of elevated violence, but it's also very Robert Rodriguez too. If you've seen like any of the Mexico trilogy, yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're talking about like the Once Upon a Time in Mexico and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, what was the? Oh god damn it! It's been it's been so long. It's been so long. I for, I forget the other names of them. They're just, they're just like single worded uh, movies. Like Desperado. Was Desperado Robert Rodriguez? Yep, yep. Yeah, there you go. It was uh, his. The, well, no, the the Rodriguez, the Rodriguez trilogy is like his first three movies that he made that were like little independent films of his. Yep. So, which would be, I think, El Mariachi is one of them. Uh, fucking. I feel dude. like Desperado is one of them. Yeah, Desperado is one of them. Yes, you're correct. And I guess like Austin stories, I believe. Right. Yep. Um, continuing with the cast though, before we get into plot details. Yeah. Harvey Keitel as Jacob Fuller. Harvey uh, Keitel, sorry, he is. It. He's worked with Tarantino a lot. Uh, you mostly recognize him from Pulp Fiction as well as Reservoir Dogs. He's also in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, by Wes Anderson. Wait, which character is he in? He is Jacob Fuller, the uh, the the priest that has lost fate, and he like is the dad of the of the group. 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I know who you're talking about. I had to think about that now for have, a second. Now we have his daughter, uh, Kate Fuller, played by Juliette Lewis. Uh, so she got the part simply because she was friends with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and she was like, there's not a lot of lines. I kind of want to do some weird shit. Let's do it. Um, Funny enough, though, Scott Fuller, uh, the the elephant in the room, Ernest Liu, this is his only acting role. Wait, Juliet Lewis, isn't she isn't she the uh the bad guy in Kill Bill? She's like Bill's right hand woman. I'm not Isn't that the same person? I it might be let me I gotta go look at it now. (laughs) I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I'm pretty I mean this I mean the uh the, the kid the kid you're talking about the guy that plays the kid, right? Ernest Leo, yeah, yeah, yeah he, Ernest Leo, yeah, he doesn't. Okay, yeah. <laughs> here, here's the funny thing about his character: no one knows how he got casted. What? No one recalls why he was picked. I would love set. if he just showed up on set and was like, like uh, "Yeah, I'm in this." <laughs> yeah, so nobody really knows why he was there, but he was there. Um, Salma Hayek obviously is Santa Nico Pandemonium, the amazing stripper that strips with a snake. Isn't this her like debut, like first time on camera? Um, for Salma Hayek, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm this is the first time anyone ever saw her. Uh, I'm gonna give me a moment. Give me a moment. Uh, I will say will, though, we will check you. I will. That. I will I say though that uh, she does have a huge ass fear of snakes, and yeah, she refuses yeah. to be near them. So when she read the script, she knew that her phobia would prevent her from taking it. And uh, Robert Rodriguez was joking to her that Madonna was ready to nab her part. So she spent two months with therapists to overcome her fear of snakes to do the part. Uh, she was in Desperado. Yep. Yep, that's, that's it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then we got the legendary weed smoker himself, Cheech Marin. <laughs> playing three roles. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's three people. I love it. Oh, it's so good. So Chiefs Marin plays the border guard, the guy that does the pussy line, which we'll go over later. (laughs) Carlos. Um, I will say though that Cheech Marin did eventually work again with Robert Rodriguez for Machete. Yeah. And speaking of Machete, Danny Trejo is here. Yep, as the bartender. A super skinny bartender, dude. Yeah, it's kind of weird to see him younger. Mm-hmm. And like fit. <laughs> I mean, he's still pretty fit, even though he's old. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I'm used to him just being like a block of just fucking. That's true. He's pretty bulky a, in the in the a block shit. of Autobata, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking ready to, to beat the shit out of crazy ass vampire bartender. Yeah. And then, what is uh, this guy's uh, name? Danny trending right now. Uh, wait, who else is trending? Who else is trending? <laughs> Danny DeVito. Oh, Danny Trey. <laughs> I mean, Danny DeVito has just never lost any of his popularity. No. no. <laughs> People just constantly have cared about him. Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay. Last last two, Fred Williamson. He was a legendary ball player, I believe, for football. Uh, he plays Frost, the Vietnam War vet. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, he was a uh, black exploitation film legend for the series Black Cobra. So all those like super stylized, over-the-top 70s 
black action hero movies, that was Fred Williams. Yeah. Honestly, like his best scene in this movie is when they're inside the bar after all the shit's broken down and he starts talking about his Vietnam <laughs> War story. And he starts like, but he sits there doing like these stabbing motions in the air while they're all just watching him do this. And he does all these, like, he's like doing it all for like 10 seconds. Like him just like doing all the, like the mimes, like I come around, I stabbed him like this. And I spun him around and stabbed him like this. Yeah, yeah. Stabbed him like this. And just keeps doing that. And then he's while like, the, like sex machines changing. Oh god. Then he's like <laughs> then he says that quote where he's like, then my knife was only filled with the 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 blood of an entire VC unit and the flesh of yellow. And I was like, oh, oh so racist. God. So bad. But uh Sex Machine, played by Tom Savini, the horror fucking gore legend himself. Yeah, for real. Doing a more Doing doing a more serious uh, acting role rather than taking on the effects for the. I don't know how serious you can be when you have a dick gun. Hey, it was in Desperado. <laughs> Leave me alone. He was pretty damn serious. Okay, when I mean serious, I mean just being a fucking <sighs> badass. All right. That shit was so weird. Even yes. <laughs> okay, but like him using the whip, Tom Savini actually knows how to use a whip. Yeah, that's he, real. Like, <laughs> yeah, he. He's actually trained to use that thing. That's wild. As well as I hope he's trained to use that cock gun. It's probably you know how what? does that I, I work though? Say... What is like how do you how do you direct it? Like is it like hip movement? Like what's the what's the... I, <laughs> he just looked at it? What's the control? It, it, it's a telepathic connection. It's got to be. Say. It's got to be telepathic. He attuned to the item, and now right. it just responds when he thinks he wants it to respond. I, I want to call it the love gun. In reference to Kiss. Jesus. You know what? With all that leather and studs and whatnot, it's pretty Kiss-like. Yeah, for real. Yeah, you pretty much got him there. But uh, speaking about music, here's a fucking piece of trivia for you, Mitch. What? Uh, Yeah, I think you're going to like this fact, too. Oh, shit. So there was a music video for a band called Brahmastein for the song Engel, and it is direct homage to this film. If you've ever seen that music video, it is vampires, blood, guts, and fucking sexy vampires. Damn, I'll have to go watch. I can't believe I haven't seen that music video. I really like Rammstein, too, but I can't believe I have not seen that music video. You are the biggest Rammstein fan I know, so I just want that, that, that you know, yeah. <laughs> I know people that are way bigger than me. Nice. <laughs> so I don't want to take any credit for that. I don't want to be known as the biggest Rammstein fan ever. Fuck so that's just not the truth. But yeah, so before this movie was made, there were supposed to be a certain amount of cuts because they didn't want to get the N, uh, what is it, the NR seventeen, NC seventeen, yeah, yeah. So they had to make a bunch of minor changes, making the vampires' blood green, as well as like some cuts here and there that like depicted like on crazy decapitation that was just too much for people in the 90s i guess it is extremely easy to get an nc-17 rating uh, but after we've after watching bram stoker's dracula like 92 one like i'm kind of like what the fuck like why why was this one such a problem yet that other one not an issue whatsoever that one wasn't an issue because it's coppola and no one wanted to tell him no right, right. <laughs> they weren't gonna go gotcha. to francis coppola and be like no you can't make your film <laughs> <laughs> during that time period they were like that's just yeah he probably had so much sway over the actual rating people probably, i don't think i'm aware yeah. of this director well enough so yeah he did the godfather yeah 
Oh, gotcha. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, so for from dust till dawn, though, they crammed 15 weeks of shooting into 10 weeks. Uh, at the helm for special effects, these guys are uh, Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger of the KNB uh, company. And if you're not familiar with the KNB company, they do the special effects for The Walking Dead, as well as they have done the special effects for Army of Darkness, the Evil Dead movie. Mm. Yep. One of them being, the big ones being the animatronic puppet rat that just comes out of Savini, which is so weird and uncalled for, <laughs> but a lot of fun. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, we have a matte painting by Robert Stromberg, uh, which is also hanging in Robert Rodriguez's mansion to this day. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. So, you guys want to get into the plot? Uh, I mean, so... <laughs> yes let's or like, do that just general thoughts like uh yeah what did you think right up front you're watching it you're like how did you feel about this because <laughs> i because i have i have thoughts i think this movie starts off really fucking strong with that liquor store scene yeah and it, it makes you want to root for the bad guy and see where they're going right and you don't know where it's going and then when it hits the fan in the second act it literally hits it at like either the hour or like 45 minutes till end part that's when it gets super campy and just super like wow i did not expect this this is sick (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean when i first saw it from dust till dawn i was pretty surprised i didn't really know what was going on Uh, because i hadn't watched i think i've caught it like halfway through or something i was watching like a censored version but rewatching it again after a few years after forgetting everything about the movie itself the, the beginning is really strong. Like it sets this like very Tarantino tone and whatnot. Um, I I would say that. And then once it gets into the vampire part, now it's just fun and now it's ridiculous. But the buildup and whatnot creates these, it makes the first two characters very interesting. Uh, of course, of course you're just, you just know that his brother's going to die though. Right. Yeah. Tell. The way they set it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, after watching it after so many years, cause I hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, I had like the negative effect. I didn't think it was that good. <laughs> I was just like, it's, it's okay. Like it's an okay movie. And I, I think it's just because I wanted more out of it because I liked the intro so much, like you guys had said. And, mm-hmm. and then, uh, I feel like at some point I was like, oh, this is really cringy. I don't know if I want to <laughs> watch the rest of this, but it's really? still enjoyable. Well, like, like what made you cringe? Just like... <laughs> Well, it's like I already said the fucking the dick gun and then the like over the top uh like stereotypical characters that they had in there like the blackest of black dudes in the in the fucking movie is like they're basically making a, a parody of like the black exploitation character that they had in, in like early 70s 80s movies. And then just Yeah, but I mean like that's what he was doing though. Right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I just didn't I really like it that much. I don't I feel here's the thing like you could argue that this thing could be cut up into two separate movies like it's yeah right you could say this should be this sh- should have this right here should be a uh a heist movie that turns south for uh for brothers and then you could also be like or it could just be a fucking vampire movie i think it works to its fucking i think it works to its benefit that it's both because it throws you overboard and you don't expect it the first time and the second time you see it, you're expecting it. 
it's like it's like a serious movie that turns into a fun just yeah i do gotta say though that harvey keitel as the as the dad is fucking awesome i love his dynamic like he's he's probably like one of the best actors in it i was like yo this is because he's really really good uh in the beginning and actually shows a pretty good amount of character progression for how ridiculous the movie is well his in the movie, his wife had just died. He is a pastor. And he was like, fuck uh, this. I'm not about to be a pastor anymore. He rejects his faith with God and goes on a, a road trip with his kids. Right. And basically the entire movie is him just hating, not hating God, but like coming to terms with his devotion simply because it took away his wife. And she did not die a painful death or a painless death. She like got crushed against a tree and like bled out for six hours, and so for someone that's devoted their entire life to God and like becoming a pastor and getting ordained by a ministry, it must hurt because when everything happens when you're in that kind of religion sect, you kind of see that you know everything happens for a reason and God has a plan for people, and so for him to come to terms with his wife's death, it's like God basically saying like Yeah, I really want you to suffer. Oh, pretty much. Yeah, that was like one of the main things that was super serious about the film was like this pastor pretty much just getting broken because of what happened with his wife and then him having to like find his faith again later in the film to actually bless some weapons. Right. So it was and just like, like it it works well because the entire movie you could tell he hates these brothers. He doesn't oh, totally. like how Quentin Tarantino stares at his daughter. Right. Even though like his he's fucking schizophrenic and like his just thinks that the shit. daughter's coming on to him like will you eat my pussy and he's just like uh uh and that was so weird that that thing you asked last time that you wanted i can do that yeah you know, it's just like what what did and i, I ask like, you, oh, you don't really ask super slimy but yeah, um weird. uh he doesn't like these people and by the end of the movie he i like how george clooney goes to him and says, I don't want to hear about how there's no such thing as fucking vampires. I don't believe in goddamn vampires, but what out there is fucking vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and he's basically like, so if there are vampires, then that means that they're hell because they're coming from there. And if there is a hell, by God, there is a heaven. And if there's a heaven, your wife's in it, and you need to get the fuck over it, and you need to bless this holy water because ain't shit worth to me if you're a fucking, a, what did he say, a faithless preacher. Yep, yeah. A f- there's no there's no reason to have a preacher if he's faithless is basically what he tells him so then fucking harvey keel basically just dusts off his shoes and gets ready to f- some <laughs> fucking takes out a shotgun and what else uh like a bat oh uh, yeah he just put makes a cross out of it makeshift fucking cross but the uh i like i gotta mention the intro kill because that intro kill was fucking tight though wait which one the fire one where oh. like he's like on the count of three i want you to shoot all the bottles from behind yep. it fucking he kicks the he, he kicks the shelf lighter fluid and toilet paper fall into his hand just so cartoonishly it's amazing right yeah, and then he just like squirts it all over the toilet paper and tosses it in there like while it's lit the dude's on fire and he's shooting at the dudes yeah it's fucking like, great so fucking good um and then, you know, we go off. We have, like, a Texas-style, blue-style soundtrack um, to accompany us while they go to the motel. 
and they have a hostage with them as well. Right. So this is where this movie gets sort of complicated because there is really dark. Yeah, it gets dark as hell because he like violently rapes this woman and kills her. But like you don't see any of it. You just see like the aftermath, which is her body like all fucked up on the bed. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, it's just so jarring when you're watching it. And I was like, what? Why? <laughs> Why do they do this? But it's it hey, was you, to like you show watch him. some TV with me. Right. That was <laughs> It's Come so, on. it's like, it's funny to start, and then you're like, oh, this is not good. I think it was supposed to show that, you know, George Clooney's character is a professional. He even fucking says, I'm a professional. I steal shit, and I get the fuck out. I do not murder people. I do not have to, and I do not rape people, because yeah. that is not who I am. And he's oh, like, yeah. it's obviously he's trying to help his brother out. He even makes sure that he gets his fucking retainer in so he doesn't chomp off his fucking teeth. <laughs> That's just so weird because he treats him like such a small kid Mm -hmm. during the whole film. And it's like it's meant to show his brotherly love for him where it's like, oh, just raped and murdered someone. Dude, let's just let's just get out of here. It's like, yeah, we I I can't. What the what the fuck is wrong with you, Richie? Yeah, he even gets mad as fuck. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like he went to go get he like slams his head against like the wall a couple times. Like, what the hell are you doing? Sort of deal. Yeah. <laughs> and we're introduced to the family coming in through our. They don't want to stay at a motel, but, uh, you know, Jacob needs a fucking a real bed to sleep in. Yeah. What he says. Um, and then Quentin Tarantino. Uh, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie is when, hey, uh, me and my lady friend don't have an ice bucket. <laughs> and he's like, can we borrow yours? He's like, yeah, sure. Pulls up the handgun. It's like, what's this? Punch. George Clooney comes in the frame, punches him right back onto the bed. It's so good. <laughs> Love that shit. That's funny. He has the creepiest voice, too. I don't know what it is about Tarantino, but he's just creepy. He can just, yeah. He turns on creep factor right when he wants to. Right, and it's super weird to see him mm-hmm. in these, like, random roles that he likes to take I, up. I, I, I've never seen him build himself yeah. into a role that was a good person. God. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean... <laughs> I mean, he's in res- he's in Reservoir Dogs. Wasn't what's that? He was in Reservoir Dogs. wasn't a good guy. Was not a good guy in that one either. Nope. And then, I mean, technically speaking, he's a good guy in Pulp Fiction because he's helping them out. But he's still yeah. like a dick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think one of the creepy <laughs> when the girl comes into the room, what's going on? She's like, and he's like, oh, we're having a bikini contest, and you just won. <laughs> <laughs> god that was awful i remember that i was like i think i just blocked it out of my head <laughs> so right. fucked up uh and now i'm thinking about how excessive the scene was with when salma hayek is like straight up sticking half her fucking foot in his mouth and like pouring fucking liquor down his face i was like damn dude he really i wonder how many times they shot that he's just like well, it's not thing, right it's like, not right w- the first time w- like she didn't even practice that strip dance that was all like freestyle <laughs> That's but funny. I know for a fact that Quentin Tarantino wrote, and he she puts the foot deep into his mouth. <laughs> Damn, I know for a fact he fucking. That's that fucking out. gnarly for him to just uh, be like, "I'm writing this in here." Um, did you guys know that the when they destroyed the liquor store, that it was actually like a one shot? It was a one shot deal. Like they actually did blow it up. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So they only yeah. have one take or one try. Yeah, to do they it. did one take for that. Fuck. The fuck the, it. 
there's actually like debris falling as they're leaving yeah <laughs> so, i saw that i was like dude that stuff. looks like it's real yeah. that's crazy yeah. but that's, um mitch that's I, have a, I have a question for you though what? what's in mexico what's in mexico <laughs> mexicans mexicans are in mexico it's true <laughs> also there were mayans in mexico oh man yeah, ironically, so it goes from a wild ass movie to be like, oh, JK, it's actually like a temple. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. But it's like a Mayan temple. Yeah. And they've been like working here for ye- thousands of years. Yeah, it like basically. zooms out and you see this giant like staircase down with all the bodies. So I was like, this is, I didn't know what the... they were trying to connect. <laughs> well, here's the thing like, the matte painting is basically just trying to tell you, like, this has been here for like years, yeah, hundreds of yeah, years, yeah, yeah. probably. You know, just killing bikers, taking their fucking killing bikers and truckers, taking their stuff. Um, but I, what I think it was supposed to spawn off a series, either a prequel or a sequel, and that's what it did because they were starting to do the straight to DVD stuff. Yep. So the year, I think a couple years later, they did a, a fucking two straight to DVD releases on in the same year. It was Dust Till Dawn 2 and 3, and they're not good. But the third one, I know, is a prequel. And it goes more into in-depth about... Yeah. Wasn't there also a TV show as well? Yeah, and so 18 years later, we got a fucking TV show. (laughs) A 10-episode TV show that is literally just the fucking Quentin Tarantino screenplay stretched out. And in my opinion, just watch the movie. Like, there's there. I don't think we needed a remake of it. No, a no, ten, definitely in a not. A ten episode format definitely for fucking not. Netflix. Yeah, that was weird. I watched like three episodes of it, and I just I didn't want to watch it anymore. I mean, like, like you've seen the movie, you know what's yeah, gonna happen. Exactly. They're like, it's pretty much like scene for scene remake. Yeah, it's you just know? drawn out. Yeah, a lot of filler. It that should too. also be noted that for George Clooney. He actually won the MTV Movie Award for the best breakthrough performance and the best actor. Oh, for oh wow, for, from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, and then he won the Fangoria Chainsaw Award for best actor, and the movie itself won best horror film. This is all at the MTV Movie Awards, so take that how you like. <laughs> <laughs> those are really oh, wow. like people don't really give a fuck about those anymore, to be honest. Yeah, because if I'm, you know. Um, debating the quality of entertainment. MTV right. is MTV is the, yeah, the shining <laughs> fucking example. <laughs> I trust them. Holy shit! I mean, really though, like it's just how people feel about the Oscars and shit. Where it's just like, oh, yeah. it looks. Yeah, but here's the thing: you know? the, the Oscars never had a company that made sixteen and pregnant. All right. Oh, yeah, mm. but the Oscars is very white, so you know, same shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it? Hey, hey, it was very white. But who was taking home the fucking awards last year? Uh, My boy Bong. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, for My the boy. fucking Parasite? Didn't he just win like yeah. one award? No, he won like seven awards, dude. Oh, dang. I wasn't paying attention. Parasite won like seven awards. Good. I'm glad it fucking and, mopped up. And, and fucking Joker fans everywhere were fucking disgusted. <laughs> that movie is trash. Uh, I actually watched it and I was like, this isn't even like that good. It's uh, I don't know, I have, I don't I have, know why people were really I haven't seen it about yet, it. So I can't give an opinion on it. I enjoyed Joker. It just wasn't like my movie it's of a, the year it's a choice. Solid, really, well made movie, right. but it's like it's not like the grandest thing ever. I don't know why. I got you know, so much I, I see what Chris was telling us, but it was like inside the actor's studio. The oh, movie. totally. 
and so like I see that more with that one than I do with uh, than I do with the Lighthouse. But uh, I yeah. get I, I get it though. <laughs> but I see it both of them in a way. I know I'm obsessed. I'm still obsessed with the Lighthouse. Yeah, I still love uh, that movie. It's great. Um, but we, uh, we stand the lighthouse here. Every <laughs> down the house. Yeah, uh, yeah, we stand at the lighthouse. But I will talk a little bit of shit on the Joker. Although I did enjoy the movie, I did enjoy it, but it didn't really need the Batman right yeah. thing at all. It didn't need to be Batman. It could oh, have been yeah. anything else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, segueing back to the vampire movie. Yeah, get us back to the vampires. What the I'm fuck? Sorry. Okay, Murder, here, why here, would you take us on this weird I'm tangent? So, God damn. Why would you do that? John, why would you do that? I didn't do that. You know what? That's it. <laughs> You're firing me from the podcast. God damn it, Mitch. It's over now. No. <laughs> I'm leaving. Goodbye. All right, all right, all right, all right. I can do this with suspense because you don't actually know if I'm going to do it or not. Here's what I want to talk about. <laughs> What's this movie? Okay. What movie, Mer? Uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Right. Oh yeah, what about oh. it? The kills, dog. Let's get into this shit. The kills? Oh. Fuck yes. Let's get into this shit. Like for real. They get to the bar, and like it is rowdy as fuck. Yep. They got that you band know? playing. But we gotta talk about the pussy part first before they even get into the bar. <laughs> That's just Cheech so fucking Marin funny. Being like the the promoter for this fucking right. titty twister. We got white pussy. We got black pussy. The whole fucking we paragraph. We got yellow pussy. We got wet pussy. We got warm pussy. We got cold pussy. We got stanky pussy. We got dog pussy. Horse pussy. Chicken pussy. We got pussy for one penny. And if you could find pussy for anywhere cheaper, fuck it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe he got through that entire line without laughing. I love it, dude. Just the whole bit. I was like, oh my God. Like everyone hope, on set must have been flipping out. I hope he gets credited as like pussy promoter on the fucking like credits. I know. I need to look up exactly what he's credited as for that character. Oh man. But we get into the bar and uh basically we're introduced to this ragtag team of a couple weird people. Got Danny Trejo up in there. We got a fat guy that really doesn't like uh george clooney right oh we, also we got, that band that band in there yeah. is a chicano rock band called tito and tarantula yep it's fucking oh, they're an actual band they're an actual and band they are, yeah they are on the soundtrack as well. yeah also on oh, the soundtrack cool. yeah they, they were on the soundtrack with like zz top stevie ray and like jimmy vaughn so it was like all of them were on there it was a great soundtrack it is a lot of fun then like they actually do the song for yeah what is it? Uh, Salma Hayek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do Jeff her Jesus. special song when she comes out, and then they transform it's... too. Yeah, which is really crazy because they have like weird body, body parts. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the, their transformation is great because it's just a torso with strings over it and a head bobbling around <laughs> on the on the yeah, end. And yeah. I really don't know how it works. I love how they just kind of explode later on. Like they don't do anything. They don't kill anyone. They nope. just they just sit up there and play, and then they explode at the end. Um, fuck you guys good night (laughs) so the catalyst for this is before they entered the the titty twister george clooney breaks the hand and the nose of pussy promoter and uh the brother kicks his ribs in 
So then they come in, they want to scuff. And I love how it's shot with these like super fast frames, guns being drawn, shots being fucking taken out, knife getting stuck into Quentin Tarantino's hand into the table. And then him mm-hmm. grabbing it and stabbing Trejo in the heart a million times. <laughs> and everyone like transforming into uh, fucking vamps. All the strippers, Salma Hayek, with like a weird snake head kind of Yo, thing. Yeah, that going was on. wild. Little reptilian. And it just gets into fucking chaos. And that's when we have like some of the best kills. We got like the sex machine with his fucking love gun. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> love guy. he's fucking whipping people fucking decapitating them and then we got frost dude the dude literally like turns over a table and just drops four strippers on the legs of it yo that shit is so fucking funny oh that shit was great um i really like the special effects though i mean like the kmb company fucking did from dust till dawn right and i'm i'm glad because it's it one of those movies cheap. that pays tribute <laughs> to exploitation and like those Saturday reels because that's what Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez are about. Right. And so it is homage as well as um, a lineage con- uh, continuation. Um, also, Danny Trejo was in all three of the movies, the two sequels. Yeah, but Danny Trejo just likes being a horror. He loves being in everything. That man does not say no to a movie. Yeah, he's like the Mexican Nick Cage. <laughs> and fucking Whoa. Samuel Jackson does the same shit. He just never says no to a That's movie. True. Have you seen his filmography? <laughs> he's been in so many things that I've like never heard of. I'm like, I should just go watch this because Sam Jackson. Right. right. <laughs> it's totally worth it for something like that. But what did you guys think about the, like, ending for this, just kind of leaving it open like that? I thought, like, the ending conflict was fucking tight. Seeing uh, Savini change into a vampire, him trying to hide it. Right. Um, I thought the when Frost turns into a vampire, uh, it looks like Jim Henson's dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> His, Are his you talking looks... about like the fucking movie we watched? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, like, like he looks like one of the characters from Jim Henson's Dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait. I mistook what you said. Okay, but still funny. Like his face is like complete. It's it's it looks like the baby from Jim Henson's Dinosaurs. Right. It does uh, though. It, it's really memey. I don't know. It used a lot of CGI in the movie, especially for like the blood effects, like when they dissolve. Sama Hayek gets the uh, the chandelier through her entire body, and burns <laughs> right. up to a crisp. I felt like this movie was, uh, even though the film is is kind of long, the story was pretty short. Like there wasn't a whole lot of complexity to it. They were just like get to point A from point A to point B, and that's it. And then you're gonna run into vampires on the way. And that's kind of yeah. like, that was it. That was the whole thing. It wasn't like the epic long storyline of Dracula where like he loses his wife and is like, fuck God, I'm going to turn into Dracula. And then <laughs> goes right. and tries to kidnap this guy's wife. Like it's just, it, it seemed so much simpler, but it wasn't too negative in that sense because it was a good action, like extravagant, like extravagant movie that you could watch. 
Right. This is that movie that makes you like root for the bad guy and like you're yeah. on your edge of your seat the first time you watch it because you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, you like anybody can die in that movie. And like uh, George Clooney's character comes to the realization that he just kind of like fucked over this entire family. Oh, totally. Like, I mean, but they do have that cool scene where they gear up. He makes like a giant fucking spear um like machine that like, like stabs on a, drill. a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. Like the kid gets holy water in his balloons from the priest Fucking and great. like his water guns. The chick's rocking a crossbow. Right. It's it's really fun. And then you got the torso fucking t- uh, shotgun. The, the shotgun through the torso, killing <laughs> people in the back. Super. Um, but then you know his brother changes, and this is where like the movie concludes with the Richard Gecko story. He was a pervert. He didn't have a lot of lines near the end of the movie. No, he really didn't. Um, he wanted to write more for him, but he looked at the script and saw that it was already cool and that there was nothing he could really add. <laughs> so he's know, like, I'm going to get a sick-ass strip tease, and that's it. His brother, though, George Clooney's character, I felt like he was kind of relieved, though, in some way. After his I brother died. could see that. Like, he didn't want to deal with him anymore, and he got all, you know, he was able to get away with some money. Right. And the thing is, like, Quentin Tarantino's a fucking psychotic bastard in this movie dude. right and so like you're kind of afraid of him but at the same time you're kind of like you look at him like a little brother that's just like doing too many bad things oh yeah totally so i can understand george clooney i love the ending though shoot the fucking door shoot the holes into the fucking thing and then uh he's like cheech marin comes over he's like, hey what's up with that man were they psychos and he's like psychos do not fucking explode when <laughs> exposed to sunlight those were goddamn vampires you crazy <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> and then he's like 20 percent, because his brother's dead my brother is fucking dead i killed her entire family is dead <laughs> it was like give me i want 20 i want you to only take 20 percent like, right 25 man 25 i'm like really dog yeah what i'd be fuck? so i'd be pissed uh, and I also like that he he isn't a pedophile at the end of it, because uh, what is it? Juliet Lewis's character Kate, she's like, you need some company, Seth. And he's like, I'm a bastard, but I ain't a fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, this would be yeah. a good time to move into talking about Bram Stoker's Dracula. The visual epic that is brand. It really is like it's pretty iconic in film. Just as it's like, amazing. It's it's so. Uh, I feel like it was really complex. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of commentary to be made about the film. Like Coppola was not just doing one thing with the film. He had several things going on, and then it's a like a remake of a classic story that's been done right. so many times. <laughs> But here's the thing with these uh, remakes about Dracula. None of them are really that adapted from the book. They yeah, go off, exactly. Except for Nosferatu. Yeah, Nosferatu exactly. was a bare bones like remake book, but so changed good. names so they could legally have that. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the second thing that comes closest to my understanding. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because uh, Winona Ryder getting her like very seldom because she was supposed to be in godfather four or three sorry and um basically she opted out and then she brought the script to frank coppola 
and was just like, hey, do you want to fucking do this? It's like, yeah, sure, and you'll be like the main chick in this. Yeah, this cast is crazy. Gary Oldman as Dracula, Winona Ryder as Mina, Anthony Hopkins as fucking Professor Van Helsing, and Keanu Reeves hey. as Jonathan Harker. Like, it's so good. The like the like that's like a such a solid group of people to have a movie with. There's a lot of criticism of Keanu Reeves' performance in this movie in comparison to the other actors as well. <laughs> um, but I honestly think that he did fine. Well, he was supposed to be the husband who was, like, getting his wife stolen. What do they want from him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, mean, I, th- I feel it's like they... always for the British accent. Oh, British okay, accent. okay. I could see that. Yeah, that's pretty awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Didn't ruin the movie for me. Right. And okay. It, yeah. We've already mentioned it, too, that it was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and he he's really well known for up like a whole slew of movies that he's really been involved with from like the Godfather mm-hmm. to the great Gatsby to like apocalypse. Now, like there's just some of the, the, like the main ones you'll recognize. And it's crazy too, because like so many people related to him are in the film industry. Like his yeah. sister is an actress. Uh, I wanted to Shire. mention about his son actually. Yeah. What about his son? Um. So real quick, just some like little background info. We talked about it earlier, but, the budget for this movie was fourteen million. Yeah, it made two hundred and fifteen million. Back. Fucking shit. Yeah, it made a lot of money, and on top of that, it won three Academy Awards. Yeah, that's... Uh, for sound editing, makeup, and costume. Dang, that's hard to fucking win it in those. Yeah. So that's costume the... design, obviously, though. Yeah. Oh, totally. The whole thing is amazing. They probably spent so much money on the costumes. Right. <laughs> um. So I'll I'll get to his son real quick, but they storyboarded the entire film, and it took over a thousand images. Oh my god! Um, and they wanted to put as much detail into costumes as possible, so they could sell off the eighteen hundred aesthetic really hard. Yeah, yeah, it would look weird if it was like really plain outfits. Yeah, they they dropped forty million on this movie. <laughs> it's forty like, million. Okay, yeah, forty million 14, budget. Not fourteen million. Forty no, million. Forty, 40 million for Bram Stoker's Dracula. You're yeah. looking. Yeah, that's that's how much it was. They spent the box the, office. It was two hundred fifteen point eight yeah. million dollars. They were like, yeah, thirty five million costuming. <laughs> yep. Um. So here's the thing, though. So Coppola had a lot of problems with the visual effects team that he hired, uh, simply because they wanted to use a lot of CGI of. Uh, just newer uh, visual effects for the movie. Yeah. And he got so fed up and pissed off at them, he fired the entire team. Oh, shit. Um, and then he looked to his son and hired Roman Coppola. And he was like, I need you to use the old style of filming for this. So Roman Coppola was using all kinds of old school t- uh, camera techniques. Uh, so onset or rear projections or multiple exposure shots or like scenes that were like seldom on or like plastered on top of each other. Cause we have like a lot of traveling scenes in this movie mm. um, as well as like using the mix of uh, miniatures and matte paintings as well as upside down cameras. So Coppola got what he wanted because he wanted stuff that was like pre fifties for this movie. And he got pre fifties um, shots. Nice. And so he fought for that. I mean, he didn't want to use, he wanted to use as little CGI as possible because I mean, with it's Dracula, it's an old story. You gotta like, you gotta, you gotta be chill with it. (laughs) 
Right. Uh, one of the things with this with this movie in comparison to the the book story is they actually inserted a romance. Rather, they inserted like a romance that was not actually in like the books the, the book itself. Uh, between Gary Oldman and uh, and uh, Elizabetta. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That was not in the original story because the original story just describes Lucy having bites and how she is like changing and things like that. And it's just gotcha. kind of like this weird, like mystery sort of story. But in this story for the movie, they actually add a little bit of history to Dracula as a person. And so it actually makes his character more compelling. Okay. Um, and that is one of the reasons why I enjoyed this movie so much. They did such a Aww. good job. And Gary Oldman's just great also. God, he's like so Oldman good. Too. He's the ultimate he's chameleon actor. Yeah. He's been so many roles. And the thing is, he plays multiple roles in this. He plays yeah, exactly. the old Dracula with like the super crazy God, man. I love that hairstyle. It's so fucking extra for the time period. Like he's mm-hmm. just wanting to be the most extravagant vampire. They like, they need to know that he is Dracula. The way he yeah. walks, dude. How he just slides. fucking glides. Like he had to have been on something. But it's just it's just a really good like specific walk they told him to do and he had the robes on so you can't like really see his feet his robes are long as shit so it's just like gliding across the floor it's so great um then he has to play like the young dracula obviously because uh which has whose powers badass armor right oh yeah the 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 armor that looks just like muscles yeah (laughs) yeah muscle fibers that was so great um and then, then he also has to play the werewolf, uh, Gary Oldman in this as well. Right. Well, yeah, he has to like. Yeah, he plays like. I mean, the Dracula as in well. this movie has like has like has like the wolf form, and uh, I mean that's what's in Nosferatu also. Right. Like he's he can transform into a wolf or a rat or a bat or something along the like. There's like selected animals that vampires can transform into, and I find yeah. that very interesting. His final Overall. form is like that giant bat in the in the room with Elizabeth mm-hmm. before returning back to the old disgusting old man version, Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like this movie starts out pretty epic, I gotta say though. Um, we're in the 1400s, and there's a war with Vlad the Impaler fighting off against the Turks, and uh. It yep. is told that Elizabeth is told through like paper message yeah. that Vlad the Impaler has died. Fake so messages. She fucking jumps off the fucking you know castle and fucking commits suicide. Yeah. And this is what I was like thinking: like they bring the body back, they yeah, find totally. the dead body, and they bring it all the way to the castle. And uh, that's oh. when he has his. Um, I think it's La- is it Latin? I Does he speak so. Latin? I'm pretty sure. Or is it French? I don't know at all. Are you talking about when he just gets really mad and stabs the cross? Yeah. Yeah. He vows against God because he was like um, a very easy patient person with him and that he was always a fighter for God. Yeah. And uh, takes his uh, sword and stabs the cross, which bleeds fucking crazy, dude. This is such like, this is such good storytelling because it's so overdramatic and he is just 
denouncing God in front of the the fucking cross that he's standing there, like over the dead body of his wife, and stabs the cross and drinks the blood from it, and it turns him into like the anti god, which is Dracula. It's yeah. just so great. It was a, it was a whole lot of good stuff in one piece, and it's such a good intro to his character because you know why he's mad, like the rest of the film, and why he becomes so obsessed with that guy's wife where it's like oh it looks exactly like my wife i have to like have her yeah i mean like in my opinion it is like a great ancestor she is a she is um, elizabeth was her great ancestor in my opinion uh yeah it's like probably totally possible for something like that to happen (laughs) and same with uh doc or what was it anthony hopkins character because he played like one of the priests in the 1400s as well uh yeah oh that's right as, huh as well as our uh as well as our narrator yeah he's so good and uh he looks so much younger <laughs> in this film which is weird to say because i have only seen like i feel like i only have an old image of of fucking anthony hopkins he looks good dude i mean like especially with all the van helsing get up like he, yes he, he really chums it up in it dude like i'm he's a delight <laughs> on screen in my opinion a lot of people were criticizing him because they think he just hams it up too much. I mean, but I the character fits that, though. Like, it's Van Helsing. He was a fucking, like, well, I mean, he was originally, like, a demon hunter. But it's, like, it sort of varies, like, what they did for the film. Right. Uh, Van Helsing, uh, as far as as far as far a character is concerned. So, like, in the original, like, so if we're going book Van Helsing, he's just a very eccentric doctor. Yeah, yeah like really eccentric he's way more he's like anthony hopkins does an amazing job this is like my favorite like van helsing oh like more like more my favorite aside from like i know there's like the demon hunter ones you know the monster hunter version right but i love this one because when he finds out that it's a vampire like an actual vampire he gets so excited that he like (laughs) tells the suitors of of lucy like while humping their legs that she is the harlot of the devil now yes <laughs> he's so excited he's so and excited just for that like so like like stoked on it like we have to drive a stake into her heart and cut off her head now it's gonna be great <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> i i love he's that so excited shit. i love him he's great i love my so... I, I think my favorite one was is when he's talking to his old student um who also runs the asylum which also had the old character of Dracula or the old suitor of Dracula. Um, basically he was just like, all right, Jacob, I've taught you a lot of stuff. So she's losing blood. Yes. And there's no blood around her. Yes. And there's bite marks. Yes. So what do you think? Uh, you can't see it, but you can see it. So what is it going to be? What you think something came over, sucked the blood out of her and left. He's like, most likely <laughs> you should put your you should put two and two together man uh, you were my student he's like please please figure this out yeah uh, but yeah but yeah I, I feel like the character of van helsing has been like changed over time to be more of like a heroic like monster hunter right, sort of thing exactly but he was never like that he was always just the doctor that came over to check out the vampire victim <laughs> and recognizes that it's a vampire oh yeah and figures it out. That that's it. That's all he really does. I mean, he like he kills some vampires, but he does it when they're like asleep. So he's not yeah, really I mean, like the Geralt Rivera of you know of Dracula. You know, he's not really like that like right. level of you know <laughs> powerful person. I don't know. We did anyway. have that uh Hugh Jackman uh Van Helsing. 
couple yeah exactly that's what i'm talking about that was like the heavy demon hunter like yeah it's the monster hunter version monster hunter he like works at the vatican like it's all sorts of stuff i think he was like that in league of extraordinary gentlemen also uh is van helsing in that one is he i don't think van helsing is in that one if not, then I'm wrong. Anyway, <laughs> wait. Now I'm thinking I, about this, it. This this movie, the, the I I love uh, <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's so 90s. Like all the shots are super flowery, yeah, and whatnot, and has like that like glamour, like look filter. all the time. <laughs> My, you know what I mean, it it has that like super just in your face 90s style. Yeah, exactly. I I, I love. I think my favorite shot in the entire movie is when keanu reeves is on the train to, from budapest and you see the dracula's eyes superimposed in the sky and the oh, oh my god dude the sky is like a brimstone fire red it looks so evil yeah yeah and then um i love how because it's so reminiscent of the 1930s and 1950s uh dracula well you know the ones with christopher lee and bella lugosi um how the way up to the castle dude how like super crazy and dark it is like i love how extravagant these castles look even though they're crumbling i love how the carriages works as well as the wolves and like the weird blue flame that's suddenly around it like you feel like you're getting into some a crazy weird fucking world that you can't explain um like he looks over like the carriage and he sees there is just a ravine straight down. Right. He is like almost about to fall off of it. It's just, I don't know everything about that, especially when he gets into the castle. I feel like there's a threshold that is crossed when you are invited into a vampire's castle. Um, like, cause like vampires can be invited into your house, right? Or like they have to invite you into their house it, for you to go into it, them. It right? depends on the mythology. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, it, it, like even in this movie, like I don't think that that's even relevant to them. They don't give up because Dracula straight up just goes into people's houses in this movie. Like you don't give a fuck. Right. But the like, thing is when he, when Keanu Reeves first comes in, he has to be like, he has to be uh, invited into the house. And I feel like there was a threshold that he crossed when he, entered like the castle yeah that makes sense um but yeah i mean i also like the callback to the original uh with the nosferatu like reference the boxes of earth yeah that that's that's actually from that's from the story that's that's <laughs> yeah. that's canon Scott he actually sleep. does because he cannot like exist on not his own land so he sleeps on the like the gr- grounds of transylvania that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is great. I love that. Yeah. I, I have this thought. If you're a vampire and like you're not rich, you're not going to be able to travel. Because it takes like 10 to 15 boxes of this earth as well as you inside it. And like a fucking ship to ship this over around. Oh, yeah. And I mean, so, like, I have to assume if that if you're alive that long, you find some way to get some wealth. You know, you guys, this is probably one of the sexiest vampire movies I've ever seen. <laughs> God, you obviously yeah. haven't seen Twilight. Fuck off. Anyway, so <laughs> I this movie is probably one of the sexiest is probably the sexiest vampire movie you'll ever watch. Because okay. the vampires in this are like are like erotic and shit. Oh, like when totally. they're like it's like an erotic 
feeding frenzy for that. Are you talking trying... about his mistresses? All, of his all the time, like all, all the wives. time, though. It's like every single time there's feeding going on, it's a sexual endeavor for them. Totally, like Lucy's like, character. Every single time. Oh my god, she is every so single. Deviant. Yeah, and also just and also a babe. Wow, I love her intro scene. How she's yeah. like, how she like introduces all three men that are interested in her to uh, Winona Ryder. Yeah, and she flirts with all three of them at the same time. Oh my god. <laughs> Yo, that's yep. fucking pro skills. Like, what do you do? like? Cause crazy. Yeah, well, they're all suitors for her. Exactly. Yeah, this that's is one when, of the big. Yeah. That's one of the big reasons. The big, one of the big deals. That's why they're all there. I mean, one of my favorite things is like, I love, I love assigning like, like, like party roles or like imagining like D and D campaigns that are based off movies. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, the fight, like getting to Dracula's, like catching up to Dracula when he's running away from them. And then surrounding, like, surrounding his coffin that he's sleeping in and, like, subduing his, like, you know, mind-controlled goons. And then, like, when he bursts out, they, like, the way that they display that how strong Dracula actually is, when he's weakened, by the way, is that he one-shots a person. <laughs> like, yeah. he just punches yep. a dude and he dies. Dead. <laughs> All he did, like, the cowboy stabbed him and slit his throat and then fucking just gets one-shotted by a... Fist. so fucking funny he one punch man's one one punch man's <laughs> this guy <laughs> it's fuck, it's pretty fucking funny man yeah his just, only uh, real weakness is that he just wanted he wanted specific people to be with him and so through all of his efforts trying to get this specific wife is really what caused him all of this shit because otherwise yeah. like nobody would have been able to kill him well here's the thing if he wouldn't have lost his wife none of this would have happened also that yeah, that, that's that's really is the big thing as well. Is it all started with a lie, and so it's sort of like him overcoming his his grief. That's really what it is, and I think a lot of horror tries to do that sometimes, where it right. tries to overcome some sort of traumatic event through, um, I don't know, displaying that event or suffering through. Here's here's what I wanted it. to say about the movie. Um, Dracula is a good guy. You know, uh, he, at the beginning of the movie, he oh, is I a see. good guy. Yeah. He's devoted to God. He loves his wife. He's defending his nation. Um, he crosses that threshold, become the deviant of Satan, uh, simply because his wife was taken from him. By the end of the movie, when Winona Ryder's character, um, you know, has the final fate push of the button for him, he returns to a human form. You see it yeah. happen, and he is allowed to go into heaven and rest with his wife. Which is wild. Like, he dies the, the place that he, like, turned. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. He has a redemption arc, um, but the entire ride there is so fucking... It's deviant and bloody <laughs> and gory. And it's also it's completely different from, like, say, the Castlevania series, where, like, Dracula ends up in hell with his wife. <laughs> Instead mm -hmm. of, like, going to heaven, they're, like, locked away in some deep part of hell. Wait. Is this in season three? Yeah, I mean, you already knew that. <laughs> I haven't seen season three. I hate you. What? You know, like, never mind. Anyway. <laughs> See, I knew you. that. Oh, uh, you, you can't just spoil that for me, John. God damn it. <laughs> I'm Okay, well, I'm going to continue. Okay, hold on. May I say something, though? Yeah. Since we're on the Taka Castlevania, yeah. it is a vampire episode. Yeah. Um, Symphony yeah. of the Night, made by Konami in 1997 five years later 
they actually adapted the mist and wolf forms for Dracula in their game. Uh, Because you go around the castle and then the entire castle flips, but you find these orbs that give you certain powers. Right. You are able to transform into a wolf and the mist form like he does in the end where like they're destroying the earth in London. Fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, speaking of video games, there's a big reference to this uh, Dracula movie. Conquer's Bad Fur Day for Nintendo 64. What the fuck? If you have you ever heard of that game? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, it Conquer's is... Bad Fur Day. Who doesn't yeah, heard yeah. of that? Okay, for the people who don't know, Conquer's Bad Fur Day was uh, rare. The people who made Banjo Kazooie and such, it is their only rated R game, or yeah, rated M rated for mature M. game. My bad. And it is so gr- over the top, disgusting, and just really raunchy comedy. But there is a part where he has to go and meet a ancestor of his in a castle and it is a fucking squirrel that looks exactly like uh gary oldman's character oh my god and they do a scene for scene remake of keanu reeves eating chicken and who's the guy on the painting <laughs> just like oh my god <laughs> he's like you will not make fun of my ancestors and then uh that's fucking great it's pretty funny but then uh in that story conquer gets turned into a vampire uh, for a, a little bit, a va- no, not a vampire, a vamp squirrel. Yeah, a vamp yeah. Squirrel. vampire squirrel hybrid. Yeah, make Fucking that a magic words. card. Uh, <laughs> that'd be great if they did something like that. <laughs> Just like one of the joke cards. I could, I back it. But like, it would have to be a squirrel in like the 1930s Dracula outfit, like the cape and little red tie. Yeah, Mark Rosewater, get on that shit. <laughs> Um, what uh, but yeah, but okay, we got to go over the the killing of Lucy. Uh, like <laughs> how so? How over the top and crazy it is, dude. Yeah. It's... Well, he come. Well, I mean, she gets turned. She starts dying. He sneaks in. He gets comes into her house as a wolf. Yeah. Feasts on her, but the room like blows up with blood. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they must have just like. <laughs> threw it at the walls and like, it's like but it's like they put two giant balloons yeah on either side and we're just like all right light them up and then just so uh, i do love the amount of blood right. is pretty great yeah uh, i want to see who did the special keep talking keep talking <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that was just what it was i've always thought that scene was kind of funny so then but what were your dead. what were you guys' favorite scenes then from both movies Ooh. Um, for me, from dusk till dawn, it is when. Oh shit! It's the opening scene with the liquor store, and then the final matinee because, like, it tells you that there is a bigger story. But I'm glad that they don't try to like go off of it. I mean, they made the sequels, but I don't really give a fuck about that. I just like how cryptic and Mayan and sketchy it looks. Yeah, that's fair. Also heads up to like that entire fight sequence in the bar with all four of those people. You know, when they're doing that, it looks like a Left for Dead cover. It when does. Standing in front of the stage. Yeah. 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 When they have the four, by, the four. Yeah. The four, four. Yep. yep. Just the four of them standing there. It looks like they're ready to go play some Left for Dead. Like, let's go. This is Left for Dead three. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and then for the 
Coppola Dracula, which is which is unofficially the title of this Dracula. Um, I gotta say, when Keanu Reeves is traveling by train and you see that evil fucking red sky and the blue eyes from Dracula, it is seriously crazy. And I love how manic and crazy his assistant, his prior assistant, is in the asylum. Right. Um, there's yeah, so. Renfield is actually like is a real is part of there was a Nosferatu and is also in the story and his weird like obsession with flies and spiders and whatnot has always been really weird and um, enigmatic to me. He is over the top and really great, and he warns Winona Ryder like, "Hey, he, if you are here, he is most definitely here, and he is around me," <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. pretty chilling. Because you know that he's he's a good person. He's just being controlled by Dracula. Mm-hmm. So I like that dynamic. But like, I gotta give it to the red the red sky with the eyes. Because they they did the miniature with the train. They superimposed the eyes over there, and they shot. They did the uh, backlight shotting where they have the rear projection. It's just three different scenes glued on top of each other to make this one fluid motion. So from like a uh filmmaking and production standpoint that takes the cake for me oh yeah that's a good point yeah uh go uh someone else Uh, favorite favorite scenes yeah favorite scenes from uh dust till dawn Ooh, goddamn probably just the entire mayhem that breaks out like when the bar finally breaks out it's probably one of my favorite scenes uh when you realize there are vampires in the bar and then everyone starts fighting essentially like that entire sequence (laughs) uh when it comes to Bram Stoker's Dracula, my favorite scene in this movie, well, while there's a, quite a few of them, I think one of my favorite ones is when they go into Lucy's uh, tomb to kill her. Yeah. Like to check to see if she's undead or not. And she's and not she in comes, the tomb. Yeah. And she's not in the tomb. She's not in her coffin. And she comes walking down in the dress with the child. Yo. Scary shit. That scene actually made me uncomfortable when she was bringing the child. Oh, yeah. Around. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then they like encounter her. It's just a really like actually chill. It's probably one of the scarier moments in that in the movie. Right. In my opinion. Um, And it was also just a really good like it was just well shot and just really, really well put together. I wish I had something better for for um from dust till dawn but honestly like the f- whole beginning of the movie is very like intriguing but you kind of throw a lot of that away later on right with how the rest of the movie plays out what so. about you john uh from dust till dawn it was uh definitely when the band is playing while they're transformed <laughs> And just have like those body part <laughs> fucking uh, um, guitars. guitars and other shit that they're using. But also how they decided that they were going to have this scene where it's like, yeah, Salma Hayek in a bikini dancing with a fucking snake. And then what do they do? They make her like the ugliest vampire you've ever fucking seen. <laughs> how do I how do I forget the Salma Hayek scene? <laughs> and it's just That's like. That's definitely probably one of my favorite scenes from the movie, to be quite honest. Because it's it's. If there was ever a freak flag that flew in a movie, 
This is one of them for fucking um, for Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> right. Anybody who ever watched this movie during that time period, everybody knew about that, about that specific yeah. scene. They were like, yeah, yep. yeah, that's how you like, that's how people found out about Salma Hayek. She's the girl that sticks her foot in Tarantino's so mouth. So fucking funny. Like, I wonder if she was just reading the script and was like, yeah, that sounds legit. I'll do that. Or if she was like, why the fuck? What, what? Uh, you want me to hold I a guess... snake and you want me to do this other shit? Like. I guess like I guess one of the things that uh that was said, I guess George Clooney said something along the lines to uh Quentin Tarantino where he was just like, Dang, you get like one of the most gorgeous women in the women in the world's foot in your mouth, and I'm gonna be over here covered in blood and guts and whatnot and nothing. That's what you're gonna put yourself <laughs> in in your own movie. <laughs> yeah. Something along those lines. When you screenplay up. and act <laughs> Right, exactly. You do whatever the fuck you want. About to put yourself you get, you in want, a good yeah, spot. You just say like, "Hey, she's sticking her foot in my mouth, and I'm gonna drink alcohol off it." All right, all right, man. Like, oh, she's like, "Okay." I bet Tarantino was like, "No, it wasn't done right the first time. Try it again." No, yeah, no, yeah no. right. Not done right. right. Like, Do he it took again. A few takes. Yeah, yeah. Just to be a dick. It's like <laughs> ten takes in. They're like, "Are you sure?" Like, we're like running out of booze here. Yeah. No, I just spice some more. It's fine. We're yeah, up the button. It's, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> uh for fucking dracula uh i think that intro scene is still killing it like for it's him. so good too. just for like it sets up the story so well mm-hmm. you get to see this this dramatic transformation the it's, silhouette yeah. shots in the opening yeah it's fucking yeah. great i love those like, it reminds me of like the 300 <laughs> shots and stuff like oh, that oh yeah had. that's a good reference yeah how like how he's like choking keanu reeves as like with his shadow he's choking what say that again uh, do you remember when he was choking Keanu Reeves in the shadow when he first finds the picture oh. of Winona Ryder? <laughs> yeah. I love That's that he one, just but... <laughs> fucking obsesses over his wife. Here, He's just like, I'm going to fucking just trap this guy here and go go get his wife. Dude, the whole <laughs> shave scene was super crazy. How he's like licking the fucking knife. Yo, the... that's so like that has been seen so many times like in gifts and random shit. Also, how he fucking crawls up on the side of his walls. Yeah. Like oh i uh, i really like the shot of the uh cross falling down and the the turk fucking moon coming up on the castle uh oh yeah they so this is it's so good because of the direction that came from coppola because he is like one of the best filmmakers uh and he ended up directing it in such a way that you were pulling the story right out of the book and it was meant to be just as dramatic as when it was first written. And so he did the same effect where he put it as a period piece. It wasn't like a modern day interpretation of what you were of like the story. And so it ended up being something that fit really well. And then he upped it by getting this huge budget for the costuming. So like it would be believable. This is a visual epic. And like, if you can't, really follow or like if you think it's boring because of story visually you will be intrigued the entire yeah that's fair so then what yeah. would you guys rate the rate both films then uh for fun factor i give from dust till <laughs> dawn uh eight nice uh i give bram stoker's dracula a 10 though Ooh. my first 10 yeah i don't think we've had a 10 before this is a, a movie that will be timeless oh yeah the period of the 90s as well as something that is just entirely its own worm uh so to say 
it has so much going where it connects the actual book to the real world events of Vlad the Impaler yeah. to the ideas that um, a love it's a it's a tragic love story with a lot of horror and gore. Oh, totally. And with a really good redemption, I give it a ten. Hmm. 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 Well, when it comes to um from dust till dawn uh it's it's fun i like the movie a lot but it's getting like a hard seven from me (laughs) um because i feel like it's just a little too inconsistent with its with its mood and change as far as like good movies concerned but i like the movie and stuff and i enjoy it a lot and i don't like turn it off when i see it there's also a couple cringe moments that's okay but you know what it does keep that seven solid like a solid maybe a 7.5 for killing a child and having his death be like the most awful thing like ever (laughs) (laughs) um so there's that and then the kid never wanted to act again apparently after that scene so good job damn (laughs) anyway fucking up movie careers yeah Mr. Lou no longer acted after he was uh, eaten by zombies and then his sister exploded him. Yikes. All right. Um, um, you can actually, actually, in that scene when he blows up, you can actually see the, 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 that the, um, the, like the vampires are standing there are just mannequins with something exploding around them. <laughs> it's pretty funny if you like put it on slot motion. But anyway, regardless, I'll move on to my next rant. I, I had too many extra things to say about this nonsense, but. Bram Stoker's Dracula will get a nine from me only because I don't think it holds up as well nowadays. Not as well. It's still really good. Like it was really good, but it just doesn't, I just don't think it holds up now as well as it did when it first came out. Uh, You know what I mean? So I'll give it a solid nine because there were just a couple moments where I was like, Hey, I think that's overacting. I don't think that could have been written better. You know, sort of deal. So uh, I have just a couple problems, but really they're they're very minor, right? So I was also thinking, you know, maybe with the Francis Ford Coppola one, it could have been a little shorter, maybe by like fifteen minutes. <laughs> like probably could have taken minutes. some stuff out of it. Yeah, that was unnecessary. Yeah, they but had like to, they I had still, bring I the still, point regardless, home. at I will say it's a ten. But if I have to go like to the lower thing at all i would say 9.5 on a bad day nice yeah for for from dust till dawn i agree with mitch i'll give it like a seven just because i want it more out of the characters i think i want it to like i wanted to care about more of the characters than just the dad because like he's the only one i kind of cared about like the whole film so when like <laughs> like when his brother dies when the like a little kid dies i don't give a fuck about these people and like the daughter is like non-existent in the film, so I was like, eh. And so it just had all these like cool pieces well, that came together. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Can I, can I? She stuffs her cross into a vampire's mouth and melts its head. <laughs> Come, not non-existent. She fought some shit. She but like she says, like no lines. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but that's okay. She maybe she's just introverted and like talking. <laughs> well, they should have given her more lines. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, here, here's the thing. I think it's like it's one of those horror movies that it's just over the top and weird. It is weird. And like yeah. it's it's ha- can you think of a movie that goes from a serious thriller to an over the top gore fest? 
Hmm. Like I feel like I feel like we're critiquing this on a level that is like more centered towards like filmmaking when we should be considering it on a level that is just stupid fun. <laughs> it is. It's still enjoyable and I definitely like what Mitch said. I'll watch it if it's on TV or like on a streaming thing because it's a, Or if my friends yeah. are like, "Yo, come over. We're watching From Dust Till Dawn." Yeah. I'll be like, "Fuck yeah, it's we are." Movie, it's beer. a hilarious movie to watch with a group of people. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, I would give like a nine or like an 8.5, but that's just because I'm such a, uh, Coppola fanboy, but also because, uh, his whole family is legit. Like Sophia Coppola, his daughter and Gia Coppola, his granddaughter are both directors and they're fantastic. And so just like to see all of them do their own work is awesome. But to know that he just like, he did so many pieces of work and this is like one of the main ones he's known for. And it was well done. Like it's, I feel like it's well paced. There's probably some sections like Murr said that could have been cut out, but I think it was just because they had the budget to do it. So they're like, we're just going to leave it all in here. Like we don't need to cut it. Yeah. And it ended up working out for them. So that's how I feel about it. Do you guys have any final mm-hmm. thoughts about either one of these? Uh, uh, definitely <laughs> see Bram Stoker's Dracula from 92. Yeah. If you've never seen it. Absolutely yeah. sit down and watch it. Take the time because, like we said, Gary Oldman is the characters. Uh, he plays so good in all of his roles. Um, I will say, though, if you haven't seen the Castlevania Netflix series, you should do that and then get back to me. Um, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's such a good series. <laughs> yeah, for real. We're, we are going to do an episode on Castlevania soon. At so. some point, yeah. It's good. Uh, sweet, cool. Then before I let everybody go, I just want to remind everyone we're super easy to find on all the streaming services. We're basically anywhere that you uh, stream podcasts. So some of the main ones are going to be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And you can find us at our website, which is bdtghpodcast.com. And you'll be able to listen to the podcast there or follow any of the links to the social media or the streaming sites. We do have our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Instagram, which are all at bdtgh underscore podcast. And you can leave comments for us, questions, recommendations. We are taking a bunch of fan recommendations for upcoming uh, films on the schedule. And so as we get more recommendations, we'll try to fill it in and do some of the things that you guys are wanting to listen to. But thanks so much for discussing these two movies with me. I hope you guys have a good night. Good night. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you.